What would you say you do here? You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. There are no more shenanigans, no more tomfoolery, no more ballyhoo. Four hours. Four hours, Four Joe? hours we sat here and talked we about. S- we did two to four episodes worth yeah. of shooting the shit to each other before we hit the mic to go yeah. on. The mic to go... Hit the mic to go on. How long have you been you doing that? Hit the mic to you go got, on. You got any gas left in the tank there, Gaines? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I have plenty of... Uh, that's kind of crazy. You think. For the people have missed all of our... Wonderful conversation. I don't think they would have missed it. I, no, probably I, I, not. They, I think they'd be like, "Oh, what a fucking snooze fest!" It's like when they did the four and a half hour podcast, right? It's like, does this does Which, this does this come with a gun so I can just <laughs> take care of my or take care like, of them or me? Like Blackbridge <laughs> branded. Oh, that's so it's such a dark joke. Blackbridge, Blackbridge, cartoon casual branded mm-hmm. uh, zip guns, single use, <laughs> single shot, just in case this <laughs> podcast gets to be too much, right? God, that would be a. That's not a good idea for marketing. Which I, it's a terrible idea. It's okay. a fucking super dark. <laughs> we've both been deeply affected in a terrible way by suicide, but we have to joke about it because uh, that's how to. fucked up we are. You have to know because uh, everything in the world is so stable and normal right now. I do have to give a quick shout out to uh, my dear friend Jane, longtime listener of this podcast, who listened to one of our recent episodes, the ones when where we were talking about. Um, uh, like you know what we want done with our like say our bodies and 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 how uh, after we die and oh. all that you remember that conversation yeah and I have to read a portion of her text I just listened to your uh, latest podcast uh when you're talking about what you want after you die and I immediately thought of what I would wear to your celebration of life because you know fashion but then you said you didn't want people to wear black exclamation mark mm-hmm. uh, and now my plan is spoiled plus I look good in black which is true. Uh, Do we, here's the dress. Here's, okay. the, here's the dress I can't wear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> which I love the implication that I'm going to die before her. Which she, she's wait, probably wait, like. I can't wait anymore. Meaning that she's not going to wear that dress gonna, to anybody she, else's funeral either. She said, "Well, she it was specific to my okay. celebration of life. That's nice. And you, look at how fucking ridiculous. Let me turn the the, the ridiculous the, is in the, the hot way or I mean it's yeah it's it's okay. fucking ridiculous in a hot way. And I it, it, wow I love how. That. It's I'm gonna get this a little closer. It's, it's like a Disney villain dress. Oh, man. that's great! It's a. I kind of want this dress. I and so I ended up. I said. I think I said something. I'll read the next text. What my response was. I woke up to that the other day. <laughs> we we should post this dress on. Uh, I'm thinking I might on have our to website that you're working on. Right? I, I am working on the new okay. website. Yeah. Uh, I I wanted to, and my initial thought was yes, the world needs to see this, but also I don't want to take away anything from Jane. That's true. And uh, wanting to uh, debut that dress. Well, I'm sure she will um, be approaching you and, and having words about talking I, about this. I, I'm dress. sure she will. Uh, I said I recant my previous statement on people wearing black at my celebration of life because damn that dress. There you and go. And it's like people should so feel free to wherever you want wear whatever you want to my yeah. But here's celebration the celebration of life. The, the sad part, of course, is that you won't be around to appreciate that dress while it's being no. worn all over the place. And no, ba- and based off of my current belief structure, I don't even know if there's another plane of existence where I could be looking down on, right. on everybody. Um, yeah, I don't so think there's that. I don't. I don't know if I. I. I I am smart enough to know that I don't know. Yeah. Well, so, I'm just saying I think. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I didn't say I know. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, said, I don't think I'm not I don't arrogant know. enough to, to say that. Right. Um, 
Now, on, on to something a little more funny, uh, something we've talked about on this podcast multiple times because it's fucking hilarious. I hope it's still funny. Over a decade ago, if not maybe close to 20 years ago, um, mm-hmm. the Foo Fighters were on they were. Saturday Night Live. Christopher Walken was a host, mm-hmm. and as you know, the host always introduces, you know, you they have a few sketches, go to commercial, they come back. The host of you know that, that introduces episode the is musical like, guest, ladies and gentlemen, and 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 Dave Grohl loves to tell the story that um, you know these guys being new. I think this actually had to have been over twenty five years ago because it was it, it had right when they first came out, so ninety five maybe. Which is hard so, to believe again. Things like that, they're that been around that, that, long. that have been around that long, it's and insane. there's YouTube clips of it. So yeah, Dave Grohl was being interviewed, and they they were asking him about uh, you know uh, being on SNL and uh, what happened was Christopher Walken. You know, they knew how he spoke, like he how his you know his the way he he dictates his uh, manner things. mannerisms or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. His sentence and structure. He goes, gentlemen, how do you, is the emphasis on foo or on fighters? Yeah, how do you, go, you say your name? Yeah, is it on foo or is it on fighters? It's with the emphasis is on fi- uh, on fighters. So he goes out and introduces them, ladies and gentlemen, foo fighters. <laughs> And it's become a. I still laugh it's because st- I know it's coming, but I. St- it's still so goddamn funny, and 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 if you're an SNL fan, you've probably followed it, and this is old news to you because this happened this past Saturday night. But I, I, Paul and I were a little, uh, uh, under the weather after Friday night because Friday night was a lot of rich food and a lot of alcohol. I had big plans for Saturday, and they we, just we, went away. We did what we've done before and many, many generations prior to us, and I'm sure people will go on and do, is make a lot of plans while drinking for the following day and then realize I'm not doing any of okay, that. Okay, but let me just make this side comment real quick. I don't think, I don't think that I drank like that much. I just don't. I didn't drink that much. I drank really rich that sherry, oh that cream, sherry! That, that I, I remember sherry. the sherry, uh, the cream sherry. I the, forgot about the, the sherry. Wine, the uh, cask strength uh, uh, bourbon that you bought, Jeremy. He yeah. cracked that. Well, open. He said it's a lot better now that it's breathed so, a little bit. Yeah, it was. It was like eh. Now it's. He said it's pretty fucking good. And we, I mean, we we just we, we didn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't voluminous. It was. And, and, and the other thing is this: we ate all the way through because they made a fabulous uh, dinner. Oh my god! M- multiple courses. Pa- drinks paired with it and everything. A it lovely was menu she printed out on cardstock. On cardstock, which is the, <laughs> one of the greatest things ever. And and, and she went through the the uh, the uh, various courses and what it was going to be paired with, what alcohol it was. And by the way, the bananas Foster. I'm not the excuse me. Come on, the, man. The baked Alaska. My, two words. Dessert. Bananas Foster. No, no baked Alaska. <laughs> baked Alaska. Which I've never had before. I never even heard of baked Alaska until five or six years ago, and you told me. Right. And you were just kind of like. Dumbfounded. It's like I'd never heard of drinking water. Right. Like, and like, you, what do you mean you've never heard of baked Alaska? Like, I, I, I read about it and I thought it had to do something with salmon or something because it's a baked sure. Alaska. But the sherry with the baked Alaska that really it worked. Knocked it out of the park. Yeah, that was that was a crazy pairing that really if, made it happen. If we had not had any alcohol or a, 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 not had any alcohol that night, and just had the the rich food, I would have been fine. Yeah. If we had had just the alcohol and uh, and no rich food, we would have been fine to do things on Saturday night. But the combination of the two. Oh, you just, think so? That's what it was. Oh my God! Because I because I, I don't I, I most normal humans I, I'm not that decadent. Mm-hmm. I don't eat like that normally, and I just man, I was like kind of so I wasn't I, hung over, but it was like. God, I just don't feel like full well, of energy right now. Malaise, and stuff. just yeah. general malaise, and it just I and that's where it was because I was because not, I again the plan. I'm sorry, it's been, I had the plans. I want to go play around with the new 
toy in my airplane right you know down there i thought okay i just flew i'm gonna go down there and learn it more yeah you know i had this all figured out i had my notes yeah <laughs> everything and that didn't happen the entire day and i didn't go out that night and i waited until midday sunday to do anything whatever it, it just anyway. it, it's amazing so i how I, much we did not do on saturday i remember I'm a, i've always been a foo fighters fan since the beginning since they're literally their first album right like, I, I just have always been i was a nirvana fan but like i wasn't very old i was only 13 when kurt cobain died so i couldn't be too much of a fan because they didn't have any albums right but as soon as the foo fighters came out <clears> i'm like this is really good and it just got get they just get better and better and better how, how much was the uh, the break between the death of uh, kurt cobain and then foo fighters first album two years maybe not even was that it yeah. Okay. Wow. Because that's what that's how Dave Grohl coped. Like he he took his four his four track and a guitar. I believe he had some songs kind of in the in the he, pipe he already. Had already or... written a few songs and not very many, but like okay. that first album. I think that he said that they he had going into the recording that first album. I think they had over sixty songs, or he had over sixty songs written, and I think that first album had like twelve tracks, maybe fourteen. Mm-hmm. So like they were pretty well polished, and I I just kind of was like this is really fucking good it's radio friendly but it's good yeah. you know it's not it's not bubblegum stuff and it's, it's like, definitely not nirvana but, no. he, but you could tell he was ready to do something a little bit different well and he had to do that he says that he's like that i channeled all of that sadness into seclusion and recording and mm-hmm. there's been a handful of albums that um i not to name check jane again but one of she and i's favorite albums ever is a guy named uh, it's a it, it's a group but it's a guy it's Bon Iver. Mm-hmm. His band broke up. He kind of in I don't want to say 2007 or so. His band broke up. They were on the verge of getting big. They were kind of like Silverchair. Okay, remember sure. Silverchair? How oh, they yeah. were t- talked about as like the next Nirvana. And they just yeah. couldn't handle the fame and they bl- they fucking broke up. Yeah. Well, hit, uh, 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 God damn it, I can't think of the guy's name. I've seen them live a few times, but anyway, this guy's band broke up. What ended up happening was, was like band broke up, and then one of the guys in the bands ended up dying from a drug overdose because mm-hmm. he was bummed out that he had to go back to his factory job, and he was r- a really good drummer, and that really just threw this guy for a loop, and he went and went back to his home state of Wisconsin and decided he was going to spend an entire winter by himself at his grandpa's hunting cabin in northern Wisconsin mm-hmm. in the wintertime and took a four-track, a guitar and uh and that and food mm-hmm. and recorded an entire album that is just breathtaking it's nice. br- and so from that kind of struggle always comes good art especially if you're already a good artist so, and so I, dave grohl did that after you know his best friend and bandmate that he toured around the world with a few times died i think was it not on the what's the show that dave grohl does that's really is it on hbo or oh, it's on max uh, whatever it's called now something sounds sound travels the sound of music no, not no. the sound of music. The sound of silence. It's probably not that. <laughs> uh, I, anyway, where he sounder. Tra- it's not s- sounder. <laughs> oh, there's my. a reference. Wow, that's a <laughs> holy shit. Uh, it's also not hatchet. Okay, well, it's not gonna be that one. Either. No. <laughs> so let. Uh, I I can't remember what it's called, but it, it, where they yeah. It, there's only like eight or nine episodes, and they go to different cities around the United States that are known for having certain music scenes. And is it? Is it him or, or did his band goes around? I can't remember. They now. both they both go. He goes okay. around and interviews people, and then his band records one track on of an album in each in, in each, each this in, yeah. city or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay, but is it not on that? Uh, we'll think of it in a minute. It's a fantastic. By the way, if you want want to like, it's go, go. hard to find streaming anywhere because it was a Showtime series. And oh, I don't, that's what it was. I, it's, it's one of those weird things. I had to pirate it. Um. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it to legally stream at the time when it f- first came out. It's one of those things where you can. Uh, 
binge watch for sure, like on a Sunday afternoon yeah. or it's like a rainy day and you want to like, you know, check stuff out and do uh, absolutely nothing but learn a little bit. Yeah, about music and and some good uh, good musicians and he he loves the history of music. That's what he's trying to get. Yeah, absolutely. He was a uh, Joe Cantiano. He was looking it up. I, ha- I have to it's look something it up. like uh, you were kind of close. You were kind of. Uh, Sonic Highways. Sonic Highways. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. And they go what's to different. Was it on Sonic Highways that he, or I could be confusing another interview, where where he when he realized he had to do something, I think after Kurt died, he went to I think Ireland, I think, and he was by himself or with somebody, maybe by himself, on a car or a motorcycle or whatever, and just going around the country and he was he didn't realize the effects that that uh, the far-reaching was it on that show uh, though i don't know if it was that show or uh it might have been but he was like in the country road in the middle of nowhere in a small town or something and he saw Saw a kid kid wearing a nirvana shirt a nirvana shirt yeah and it really hit him differently like he went wow like he had no he had no idea he would be reminded of that Way in the middle, in the middle of, of nowhere, way out in the weeds, and I, I think it might have been Ireland. I think I you're think, probably uh, right. But anyway, so then that's when he, I think he said he realized he's gonna do something else yeah. or something. I think that was, if I recall, it was kind of a moment. This isn't the end of me and my career. I, I'm gonna yeah. do something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sonic Highways, folks. If you can find it and stream it, just check it out. It's really cool to go. Go to. Uh, it's funny because they don't go to like the normal cities you think of when it comes to like the when you would think of like the Foo Fighters. Like mm-hmm. Seattle is like the second or third to the last episode, mm-hmm. <coughs> but they do some cool shit. Like they they go to um, went to Austin and went to went to Austin and like the the uh, where Austin City Limits used like the old studio, right? And they had all which these, is still these old things. Like they had this piano that was there for fifty years. I don't know how. And long. he's like, wait a second. But, so-and-so played played that like no that's the piano like yeah that's where the piano was like no this is the piano he played that and he's like are you fucking kidding like, like just, this is it he, that's what i love about dave Grohl is like no matter how much money he has or no matter how big the stadium is that he's him and his band have filled he still get is in awe of these rock stars right. and it's like hey man you're one of those guys too two times over now right like like it really like you're you, you need to remember that but but I think it's great that he's like that. Well, what's fascinating is he he doesn't and like a lot most a lot of musicians do love history because they they know where these they know the songs have a foundation that came from somewhere. Right. But he's really into and a lot of them are as well, you know, really the history of where this came from, yeah. like old blues from the Delta region and all these different things, but he's really into it and, and respects it and knows how important it was. And my favorite episode is when he goes back to, because uh, like he was he was, he was was born and lived in Cleveland for a while. That's why they have, the, you know, did, did you hear about that really eight, nine years ago, the city of Cleveland decided to name a street after him? I mean, the, they had the Rock and Roll Museum there too or whatever. Well, yeah, but Cleveland, oh. Cleveland's been associated with rock and roll since yes. Alan Freed invented Forever. the term. Like, they, yep. yeah, yeah, that's yep. that's one of the big reasons. Yeah. Um, but and, they have a street but, after him. But they named a street after it. It's like Grohl Way. And he's like, can you make it an alley? And it, I shit you not. <laughs> he's like, I feel like I don't deserve this, but if, if you're going to name a street after me, it has to be an alley. And it's literally a fucking alleyway that would never have a, a, a Okay, so they, they moved the street they, and, they, they, and made it an alley. they told him, we want to name a street after you. Do you have any idea of the neighborhood or something? Like make it an alleyway. And it's an, it's an alleyway. It's like Grohl, Grohl Way or something. But they did a little bit on Cleveland, but they more he spent more time in his musical like um, growth really started in the D.C. area, which is not really known for having a music scene no. unless you're into uh, late 70s into the mid 80s hardcore punk rock. And then you fucking know that some of the more important bands that maybe you've never heard of or somebody like a, somebody who 
maybe listens to that kind of like off kilter, off the beaten path, not top forty style music, mm. you may not have heard of them. But bands that you have heard of that are superstars will say we were directly inspired by um, Bad Brains, uh, a, a kind of like Henry Rollins is from that area, and he was really yes. the ones who like really pumped up Black Flag. Black Flag existed in L.A. before that, but right. when he came on, that's when they kind of shot up, which is arguable. And my punk rock friends, we'll get the fucking true. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, that's, that's what they sound like too. Yeah, it's it, 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 true. It's it, true. Black Flag was started in 1977. Yeah, it was. And how much of that music do you listen to? No, you get on the second album, third album, where Henry Rollins comes on, and everybody associates fucking Henry Rollins with Black Flag. It's like Sid Barrett and Pink Floyd, or something. correct? Like, but also like Pink Floyd got way better after Sid Barrett. Sorry, they did. I mean, well, and they got to write all about Sid Barrett for several albums. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, his departure <laughs> definitely influenced them. Yeah. But you have um, Minor Threat, Fugazi, da da da. But that's not all they talk about. They go into this really deep genre that I had forgotten about. And I only knew about it from funk records that I listened to. And only in the past 15 years. But it's called Go Go. And not like Go Go Dancing. Mm-hmm. Go Go is a style of music. I don't know if you remember this. They go into like these band, like these big uh, uh, music halls that they still have Thursday, Friday, Saturday parties and it's all it's it's like imagine if you mixed call and response old style hip-hop when i say this you say that like that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff but with a live band that sometimes had upwards of three or four drummers and people dancing and you had that's where go-go dancing came from okay was from that genre and apparently that shit still goes on and there's a huge scene and they and, and uh dave grohl was inspired to play drums based off of listening to Go-Go. Okay. Which is why now years later after Sonic Highways, now eight or nine years after it came out, have you seen the interview with uh, Dave Grohl and Pharrell? The uh, producer Pharrell, you know? Yeah, no, no, yeah I know him. Um, have you ever seen that I don't think I have. Where uh, Pharrell's like, hey man, you're one of the greatest drummers ever. He's like, I am not a great drummer. I'm not. In fact, if you listen to those like, first two, like the, those two Nirvana records that I'm on, mm-hmm. listen, to all, like that's all, all swiped from funk and disco from the 70s right and he's like what and pharrell's like what are you talking about which pharrell is an expert on that because he samples all that shit he mm-hmm. knows all, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of 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 uh 70s and early 80s like electro funk and disco and he goes dude all that like on on nevermind that's mm-hmm. all swiped from the gap band and casey and the sunshine band and then pharrell's like wow what? Oh, like he it's so to, obvious once he once he hears it. Once you it. say it, yeah. and, you, and 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 I I had the exact same reaction. I'm like, holy fucking shit! Like it, and Pharrell would not shut up about it. He's like, I never thought of that. I my life since I was a little kid up until now, I'm almost fifty, has always been based around hearing something that somebody else doesn't hear in music. And you've pulled the wool over my eyes for thirty years. I can't believe I never heard that wow. because now that I can hear it, it's like that's that's all that is. That's that's yeah. straight up. Funk and disco from the seventies, hundred percent. Okay, so but anyway, backing anyway, up a little bit. So, up. ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters. Now bring it up to. So I heard Foo Fighters was going to be on uh, on Saturday Night Live. I heard that I think Saturday morning or Friday night or something. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch SNL. I, I rarely watch it. I, I pay for Peacock because it's like two bucks a month or something like that. And the the app and uh, y- you can watch it live, but it's the East Coast feed. By then, I'm like, I'm not ready to watch an evening program at 5 p.m. Right. So I or 6 p.m. or whatever. So I, I waited until a little bit later, and I turned it on and watched it. And uh, but I also 
in that time frame that I found out that uh, um, also a newer comedian that I really like that Jeremy and Crystal helped me discover is Nate, Nate Bargatze, and he is hilarious. So he's... Uh, he's and he was uh, the host. Okay. And I'm like, this is probably going to be funny because he has some roots in, in sketch comedy. I'm going to have to watch and this episode. His stand-up is excellent, so I figured, yeah, so it's a great episode. And uh, in between the, my decision that afternoon to watch SNL for the first time and uh, that a full episode, and again he was the, he was the host, and, and knowing he's the host, yeah. and the Foo Fighters were going to be uh, the musical guests, I'm like, this is a great going to be a great episode. I saw a blip, I think on Twitter or something about uh, uh, Christopher Walken having a walk on cameo in one of the sketches and I'm like, Oh, I wonder if they're going to let him introduce the Foo Fighters and say it properly <laughs> in my mind. I'm like, if I was a writer or if I was even just the janitor mm-hmm. at 30 rock, I would have been like, Hey, you know, it'd be great if he did the Foo Fighters, but did it the right way or mm-hmm. a, a, the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And I would have been that guy. And lo and fucking behold, he comes on like it's the part of the opening sketch. Mm-hmm. He comes on and he's like, "It's this funny, it's a, it's a funny, it's a funny kind of sketch." And he just walks on, and then you have a few more sketches, and they go to a commercial, and they come back, and it's Christopher Walken. He's like, "Ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters," <laughs> and I fucking <laughs> lost it. I bet I was laughing through three quarters of the Foo Fighters song. Like I just, I wasn't even <laughs> absorbing their new song. It was so fucking funny, and just. But then I, I watched the rest of the episode. He ought to be on their album, like <laughs> right before the first track starts. He should Ladies be on, and gentlemen. Yeah, Foo Fighters, really, or whatever. He really should be yeah, like that, an MC that would be just funny. introducing them, or bring them on tour, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that would be just worth walk it. out there and Christopher Walken. People would get, more people would go. Well, you can't sell any more tickets if they sell them out all the time. Yeah, but people would go. They're going. I'm I'm here to see Christopher Walken introduce, and then the just Foo the, the crowd thins out. <laughs> Foo Fighters, <laughs> but he has to do do it differently every night somehow. Right. I, I just I, I just I it was the first time I really engaged with SNL, which I I staying up late on a Saturday night was not really a thing in my household. Even even the summertime things like that, it just wasn't a thing. I was in, on the East Coast when it came on first, nineteen what seventy seventy five. I think it was seventy five. Seven, okay, but I was wait what year? Please look up the year. Seven, I'm pretty I need sure to, it was seventy five. Seventy five seventy. I think it was not seventy five. I'm almost positive it was seventy five. Oh, okay. Jill's looking it up. Yep, I think I it was. I think it was later than seventy-five. I don't think it was. Okay. Nineteen seventy-five. Oh. Now it started being called. It was NBC Saturday Night, and that was nineteen seventy-five. Okay. And then they changed the name to Saturday Night Live, nineteen eighty. But like nineteen seventy-five oh. was the first. That I was like, watching. That it. was George Carlin, like that very. Okay. I, think it was I don't. Him. I don't think I. You're right. I did not see that episode, but. Not very. And it was the following year in seventy six, maybe in seventy seven. Okay, I may have started watching it and staying up late, and it was still in junior high high school, I guess. Yeah, high school, early high, junior school. high school, yeah, seventy yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. Anyway, I would watch it. It was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. It was it was all the people that we think of when SNL first came like out. Like the original, the original like players like Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, uh, Lorraine Newman, Lorraine Newman, yeah, uh, Gilda Radner. Yeah, there you go. Jewish Jeans. Uh, Chevy, Chevy seen, Chase. Jewish Jeans with the fucking, the, <laughs> God damn it. And Gilda Radner was such a, she was a looker, you know, like she, and it just like the, what did she have? The um, Star of David on the butt, like patches on the butt <laughs> of the Jewish Jeans or the Stevie Wonder bit 
Oh God! Remember the it's like yeah. the it's like a Kodak Instamatic camera. Yeah, he's knocking uh, shit over, and he's he's, they, he's or taking playing, pictures of. He's playing tennis. Yes, they're playing tennis. Like <laughs> Stevie and, Wonder's out on the tennis court. Out yes. on the tennis court, playing tennis, not very well. Yeah, and actually Stevie Wonder. And, yes, and he, and he and actually Stevie Wonder, not somebody dressed up as Stevie right. Wonder. Not a nice and, kid. And he's like, uh, the camera's so simple, anyone can use it. Like it just, <laughs> oh my fucking god. That I I wish I was alive to see that, but I'm glad that I was around to see what I consider to be the most productive era, mm-hmm. because <clears throat> about Chris the, Farley era. The, it's, and and I say yeah. this as something I know I'm the young guy. I know that I was a teenager in the '90s, so I'm going to be mm-hmm. biased because a lot of it is just dirt, dick and fart jokes. Sure, I totally understand and respect that. And my mom and and stepdad and my dad would be like, "There's no fucking way," like the, you know. Eight, nine seasons in the 90s can't even compare to two good seasons in the 70s. Bull fucking shit. Because people started leaving in droves by about 1980. And they got on to... And yet, by by the time Eddie Murphy rolled around, you didn't have... You had, what, Joe fucking Piscopo? Right, he wasn't that... Yeah. And, Eddie and, Murphy was a powerhouse. Yeah. He, was, God, he was like 18 years old or something. He was, I think he was 18 or 19 when he got it, when yeah. he was on SNL. And and his that stuff, like the... But we sings, <laughs> we'll put up in all the bong paces. Mr. Like Roberts' fucking, neighborhood. Mr. Was it Mr. Roberts? Roberts? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God! Just like all that shit was really funny. Uh oh, it's a landlord. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a landlord. <laughs> but when you get to Phil Hartman, John Lovitz, Adam Sandler, oh yeah, David Spade. Saturday Night Live um, goes in cycles. It it go it kind of ebbs and it flows. does ebb and yeah. flow. It a hundred percent does. But when I, when you get to about ninety seven. 96, I should say. 96, 97, where you had the overlap. Sandler had left. Yeah. Dana Carvey was still on there. Mike Myers was just getting ready to leave because he left right before Austin Powers. Yep. You had a Chris Chris Farley who would – he left, but he was on – you know before he died in 97, he was on there a bunch of times as like a guest. You right. know, not quite the and host. And David Spade, of course. And David were, Spade. Yeah. And then you had like Jimmy Fallon – uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, oh Jesus! Uh, Fallon's Will pretty, Ferrell. Pretty, pretty funny now with his night show. I, you know, I, I like I, it. I, I think he was better on SNL. Uh, it's I, true. Personally, now I, I, I kind of enjoy his monologue. Though. I respect his. Uh, I respect the fact that he brought the roots on and has mm-hmm. never let them go. And he's and they're like, oh, we'll put together a band. He goes, I already have a band. Who the roots? Who the fuck are the roots? He's like the best hip hop band of all time. Right, and people are like, "Who the fuck are you talking about?" And they've stayed on there. And Quest Love is like a—he teaches at fucking NYU. He teaches like five classes, not like an honorary doctorate. And he just has the thing on the wall and he's gave a teaching. speech once. Yeah. He is an actual fucking professor. Like, yeah. <clears throat> I respect that, and I like how he's brought some more of the music nerdy culture mm-hmm. to the forefront with like the guest that tune and things like that. I do like that. But his, I, I, I as a as a rule, I'm, I'm not a big fan of like the late night interview shows. Right. Well, it's inter- been inter- around for the forever. It's kind of tired, and it's yeah. kind of it's yeah. kind of transparent when it comes to like just I, I you know, we know what you're doing. You're promoting stuff. The funnest part's not that long ago where uh, where um, Craig Ferguson and fl- oh. flirt with all the hot women, and he's that's that was pretty funny, fucking hilarious. And then yes. his weird skeleton guy that would yeah. talk, <laughs> like or Conan, old Conan was just yes. fucking brilliant. Yeah, but anyway, uh, but Saturday Night Live. Like there's there if you if you want to talk about iconic characters, I'll put '90s SNL up against '70s and '80s SNL any fucking day of the week. If, if only because it's if you different. Uh, 
I, it, well, I, I'm not going to argue that I one just, was worse or better. I, I, mean, I like them both. I really do. I, and, yeah. and I appreciate that. Like yeah. that, because uh, it, I don't know, like the, you, you've got, Limited Blues Brothers, you do have John Belushi mm-hmm. doing uh yeah, if the uh, bass Joe Bassomatic. Bassomatic. Yeah. <laughs> but other than the Funny. Blues Brothers, what movies came out of those? That's true. Let's go with um Wayne's World. Uh two movies. Uh Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters? Well, Ghostbusters was wasn't a ca- those weren't char- a- those weren't characters on Saturday Night Live. Wait, hold on. wait a minute. I'm talking I'm, about actual characters that were created by people oh, on SNL. Oh, I see were, what you're saying. There were so, not the actors so funny and had so much truck with not the like general, Bill like, Murray actor kind of and, Ghostbusters. And yeah, like what Bill Murray character came from SNL that, that I understand. I, I understand what you're saying the the characters that spun yeah the off. characters Got that it. spun off that were written by the people. You Got know, it. that's that's what I'm I getting understand. at. Okay. But yeah, no, I, obviously, I mean, no, uh, Dan Aykroyd, absolutely incredible. Uh, John Belushi, sorry. No, um, okay, yeah. But also, like you know, uh, but then you get into the the, god damn, the church lady, Christ Almighty. <laughs> the the oh god, which, the, the church ch- lady. The church lady resonated with so many people because we all grew up with somebody, at least right. one person like that. Some and, people and, grew up with a whole bunch of somebody's know, like Dana, that. Dana Carvey was a you know powerhouse doing George Bush. <laughs> and I feel like the 90s era was also probably the best for people who were able to impersonate political figures. Yeah. Maybe into the 2000s with uh, Will, Will Ferrell just killed it as as George W. Bush, though. Like, yes. like there, there's nobody. But then you get into, like, a little bit later, like, Celebrity Jeopardy. Oh, God. God damn it. Yes. The Celebrity Jeopardy episodes are, I mean, they're some of the best. Like, the, the rest of the episode could be absolute dog shit. Mm-hmm. But during that eight or ten minute uh, sketch... But 20, after that, like after that, it might be garbage. Ten or fifteen years, whatever it is. Then we have, I'm sorry to fast forward. Black Jeopardy, dude. Black that's Jeopardy, fucking funny. With I love the Tom Hanks. The first time I saw it was the Tom Hanks one, which that might have been the first one. Yeah. And I I knew it was going to be funny when I knew it was Keenan Thompson mm-hmm. as the host. But when you hear the intro music and it's just the Jeopardy theme song remixed with a trap beat, like a Houston style <laughs> trap beat in the background, and I'm like, this is going to be brilliant. Oh God! And and then you know Tom Hanks has got the MAGA hat and he's like, oh well, you know, with, with, like well, what this is what um, what is it? Uh, skinny women can do this for you, and he rings in first. He's like, what is not a damn thing? You're like, hey man, I thought. <laughs> I think I like you, Greg. Not, not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. And the, the two ladies are like, that's yeah. that damn goddamn like, right. Like, like the MAGA guy and the black guest start bonding a little bit. Yeah, they start bonding. But there's that point where Keenan Thompson walks up. like, I'd like to shake your hand, Craig. And he flinches because <laughs> he thinks he's going to get mugged. Like, it's so that I, I thought at first, oh, no, Black Jeopardy. They're going to try and do a thing. We're going to try and make it funny. They're going to copy Celebrity Jeopardy. Not even fucking close. Mm-hmm. But they're like Saturday Night Live is is become so iconic. It's been on for that's uh, it'll be fifty years. In, now in I have next, not watched two years. it. I, I'll be honest, I've not watched it in a while. Is it got good? Is it good now or not? Is it's it one of those, uh, it's it, a good cycle, again, it, medium cycle. I, I think right now it's at an ebb, not a not a flow. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, especially when you had some key people leave recently yeah. in the past few years. Kristen Wiig was fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like she, I I can't believe that. Uh, you know, she didn't even audition initially. To she didn't want to be on SNL. She wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then Tina Fey was like, "No, you need to do this." Oh, Tina Fey. T- oh, Tina Fey was just she's she, she was fantastic. Which reminds me, uh, 
I know I might be late to the game on this, but I I I'm I I know I don't know if you're a big fan or if you've even seen it, but I'm a big fan of the movie Mean Girls. You know, I have seen it. Yes. Okay, and it's yeah. it's brilliant. And I dismissed it when it came out in 04. I I dismissed it for many reasons. One, I was a 23 year old male, so why you're would like, I want to watch a yeah. high school a, a movie about high school girls? Uh, but then I but and of course and Portia was only four at the time. So it's not like even she would enjoy it. Like she was, she we had just seen Finding Nemo in the theater. Like there's nothing for her in that movie. Right. But then several years later, I watched it. And I'm like, holy fuck, this is brilliant. And it reminded me of a, a an earlier high school girl movie that I kind of slept on until me and my girlfriend at the time went to see it in the theater, which was um, Clueless. No, 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 oh. no, no. I saw that in the theater, and I was 13 then. No, that was 94. Yeah. No. Um, Oh my god, it's a cheerleading movie and I just fucking spaced the title. Like I I'm going to be pissed. Bring it on. Okay. The yep. movie Bring It On is about yep. cheerleading, competitive cheerleading and high school girls and all this stuff and I think this is fucking stupid. I this I this is no. No. The fun the the brilliance of of uh, Bring It On and the brilliance of Mean Girls are very similar in the fact that it's it's triple funny. It's funny if you're let's say uh you're just a, a quote-unquote dumb cheerleader which Whatever, that's a that's a that's a thing, uh, and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's our world, and we're this and da, da, da. It's funny watching it if you're a teacher or a coach and knowing how dumb the whole thing is because mm-hmm. it's just high school it doesn't mean anything, right? And then it's on top of that, if you, it's even funnier when you realize it's satire. It's kind of right, like it's right. a lot like uh, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Sure. Yeah, right. it's funny. What he says is funny, but it's even funnier when you find out that he's making fun of the people that are paying him millions of dollars to make him laugh. At themselves, and they don't realize it. And the thing is, is he's not—he's not like that in person at, at all. At all, it, he's uh, not his that, middle yeah. name is Lawrence. He has a master's degree. Right. He's from Omaha or or somewhere in, in in Nebraska. And apparently, he was like a um uh, uh, uh oh gosh, what is that called when you uh he was, he was a bell a bellboy or something at a not a very great hotel or motel or something like that. Okay, and, and he would do that shtick like he was younger. When and he, make when, fun of people. When, when and, people and, would check in or he would get their bags and stuff, and he would start doing that routine. And people thought, this is fucking hilarious. Oh, a, say, that guy's funny. That's not even him. He's, yeah, he was a he's night, doing a character. He was like night uh, auditor, is that what they call him? Or, or a night clerk or something, something. At, a, at a hotel. And yeah. he, that's right. I remember that. So when I found out that Tina Fey was the writer, producer, and starred in Mean Girls, I slept on it. It was like three or four years after it came out. That's when I finally got the fucking joke, mm-hmm. and that's when I realized that any time Tina Fey does anything, I'm going to be involved. I, I I will watch it. I'll I'll listen to it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently there's a Mean Girls musical that was on that's been on Broadway <laughs> oh, for God. years, and I didn't know that exists. And you know me, I love musicals. Sure. They're turning it. They have turned into it. I think it comes out either is it next month or maybe maybe it doesn't come out till January. It's a live action with a bunch of the original actors pl- uh, playing their roles from Mean Girls in 2004 that are doing musical numbers and it's going to be a movie released in theaters. Oh, wow. I'm so fucking That's probably going to do this. real well. I'm yeah. going to lose my goddamn mind. Yeah. Like, I cannot fucking wait to see I'll that. go with you. You're fucking A right. <laughs> Speaking of, we should go see the Taylor Swift Eras Tour movie. Oh, my God. I know you saw it live I did. and in person. We could smell her sweat, but I, I, I didn't. Is this, uh, is this also breaking records at the theaters? I don't know if it's breaking records. I know it's pissing people off. <laughs> I heard well, about this too. Yes. Did you hear about the people like in the theaters next door are just pissed like they because they the the Taylor Swift the, the Swifties are all it's causing quite a ruckus next they're, door. They're so loud. Yeah. Next door, the theaters next door are the people in there are complaining and theaters are having to like 
not do certain showings in the theaters next door, and they're kind of they're not losing money. We'll, we'll but just not leave it. We'll leave, leave it open. We're not going to have the, any movies playing next door to the Taylor Swift. I'm I'm sure that premiere. the the Eras right. Tour movie is making. I'm sure it's making money hand over fist. Yeah. Um, especially considering that like it's they made money with the source material. It's not like a studio is like, eh, it, it doesn't cost that much money to film something and go, do. Oh yeah, proper, they, all, they have plenty of footage. Yeah, they have shit tons of footage, and they yeah. just cut it all together into a. It's a, a, a paid a good movie. editors, and away you go. Fuck yeah! So all the people that couldn't go. So if you take all the people that couldn't afford to go, or just what for whatever reason couldn't go see that tour, mm-hmm. if just those people went to see the tour movie in the theater if it were just those people mm-hmm. it, it's probably going to make damn near a billion dollars all I do every time but, I see the the errors tour and then like an overhead shot of something and it has that funky stage shape mm-hmm. I know we all kind of recognize it I go that's where Julie and I were right there right right in that general right there is where we were which is just incredible to me I think it's fantastic that you guys did that we like, were I, I we really got we, we, as close as she came out the, there's a couple of arms that come out and she came in there a few times yeah it was I don't know between here and the wall over there, the far wall right over there. That's Damn, about how close she thirty was, feet, which is close enough. Yeah, you know. And it was funny though, or like in a, few, in a gigantic stadium. Yeah, like, let's, let's and, throw and that a, few, out there. a few people, more than a few, but you kind of ran up to be closer to her, you know. Yeah, and and there were some guards there, but it wasn't didn't get out of control. And I th- I think Julia may have gone up closer. I'm pretty sure she did. I would hope so. She I probably, would have probably got and, and I didn't. Only I don't know why I didn't, but I just didn't. I was just enjoying. I was still looking at everything, going. How many eighteen wheelers did this take? You know, I was just amazed by that. Did we look into it? It was like sixty or something. It was like something that. massive. Yeah. It was crazy amount of effort to make this thing happen. It was insane. She, she really. I'm, af- I'm afraid. I'm. A- Here's what I'm afraid of with Taylor Swift. Afraid of her new boyfriend? No. I mean, yes. I don't want Travis Kelsey to come in here and beat the shit out of me. But do you think they're gonna? I, this is. I don't give a shit. But I, they're probably not gonna be dating that long. I, I do, don't know. I don't, I don't oh, think they are. No, you just angered our entire audience. I, I know. No. I don't. I wish them well, but I just don't think they are. I think that they're. She's a bit older than him. Okay. Right. He also has his own money. But it's not, not on the level that she does. But it's, it's not like, like she's, she's like a hundred x to him. But at there's, least. he's also a star fucking player, and he's in the NFL, and he's not like he's a star in his own right. So like, there's no a lot of the guys that she's been with over the years they they kind of rode her coattails not high profile people like uh john mayer a million years ago right. and and they're and also and they're also not in the same in, they're in the entertainment they're, industry shall we say they're but not in the same field exactly exactly yeah you know uh taylor swift uh she plays her cards right she'll she'll be a dolly parton she'll be going on well into her 70s like yeah. when, when we're all fucking dead and gone she's gonna still be around she's gonna be like share yeah she's but, gonna go on tour with dolly parton when, when we're dead and gone and <laughs> I would go to that tour. Dolly Parton's <laughs> hologram. It'll it'll be the all the no all the it's plastic the surgery s- left Dolly, over. Dolly 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 Parton plays or on the outside of the sphere in Las Vegas. That's it. Big Dolly Parton on the sphere. I I, I would damn near like take a mortgage out just to go to that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I I could see them uh going going the distance. I could see that. Sure, I could. I, okay. and I, but I, but I'm also like a hopeless romantic when it comes to things like that. And I think it would be great. I think it would, it would almost be bad for her career because what the hell else is she gonna write about? Well, do you think it's? <laughs> well, she obviously has enough money. She could still write. Well, she could change her. She could shift a little bit and change her her focus on some of her writing and do fine. Yeah. Now people are still gonna go to her. You know, she. I just found this out recently. She was on Saturday Night Live. Uh, uh, was it last season? End of last season or very beginning of this season? She wrote her own monologue. 
Oh, wow. She wrote she she wrote it herself. As soon as she found out she was hosting, she's like, I'm going to write my own monologue. I'm like, nah, the writers are like, well, we'll help you with it. She's like, how about this? I'll write my own monologue. You guys look over it. And nothing was changed. They gave her no notes. They're like, this is fucking solid comedy. Mm-hmm. I could see her becoming one of those, like a triple threat kind of person where she's singer, songwriter, actress. Stand-up comedian. I would. That would be hilarious. That, that would be funny. She's witty. She's goofy, yeah. funny. Our, yeah, she's our mutual friend Caitlin, Crazy Caitlin, you know, got to hang out with her mm-hmm. for for. Well, I think she was at her house for like six or seven hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was that? Twenty fifteen, maybe twenty fourteen. No, that had been like twenty sixteen. Anyway, yeah. And said she's just naturally funny. Like she's just bubbly and hilarious and very quick with the wit. So mm-hmm. I could see her doing something like that. And I'm I fucking more power to her, man. Because I like her music. I, yep. I like her music. I like the fact that she's lead songwriter on everything she's ever written, and sometimes she's the sole songwriter. Which she is might do well rare. enough to someday even even have a podcast. If she I, could, I don't know if she'll ever get to that level, Paul. <laughs> like it, it, I mean, it takes a special, it does special person. Now, I I think I could hold my shit together a hundred percent if if she somehow contacted us and said, "Hey, I heard you guys, you guys are hilarious. I ought to come on your show." I I I think I, th- I could do okay. I would I would hold it together. I could yeah. hold it together with her. I I think just I don't know. I, do you think you could keep like if she said, "I will come there" because I've heard about what your studio is, and I could fly my plane and park it and don't. Don't tell anybody. I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell anybody. She would probably make a sign NDAs anyway. Sure. Which I'd be totally okay with. I might. My daughter might not talk to me for a while. Sure, but that's the way uh, it goes. But that's just the way it goes. I'm like, sorry, yeah. kid. I, if I have to forego speaking to you for two or three weeks or a couple months to interview Taylor Swift, we could just tell her, hey, can't bring any football <laughs> players though. No, no football. Here's what I would do though. <laughs> I would. Here's how I would navigate it. And this mm-hmm. is this is how devious I am. Let's in the hypothetical situation that we sign non-disclosure agreements and all of that. We get Taylor Swift here. We interview her, and I would ask her on when we take a break. I have a daughter who's been a fan of yours since she was probably eleven or twelve years old. Is there any way that you would FaceTime her right now while we're here, and I can surprise her because then I'll be father of the year for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And she would probably She'd be probably okay. do it. She would probably be okay with that. And then we could retire after that. Probably, R- probably, <laughs> maybe. I, I, I don't know how it would happen. Fuck, I might faint after that. That would be, be hilarious to have that little clip, and we would just have that on our uh, See, website and Facebook page. And as much Instagram as I love, and, as much as I love Taylor and what she's done, and she's an empowering young woman, and this and that and the other. Like she's just good. She's a solid role model. Like, like I just she makes me want to hate my boyfriend. I mean, it, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. And I would be, pre- I would be starstruck at first, but it, it, she's not. It's not like if. Um, God, like Samuel L. Jackson or 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 fucking. That's like, true. I, like, it's a different like, kind of star. I like haven't she's had, more famous then, but it's still different. It's different. And or it's, Jack Nicholson. J- that that'd be kind of a tough. Uh, Jack Nicholson would be. That would be tough. For, yeah. I, I but I don't think I would go the Chris Farley route of the, remember, no. remember when like when he was right. interviewing the like what was it the Chris Farley show where he was interviewed people and he interviewed yes. Paul McCartney is remember when you were in the Beatles like that uh, yeah, I don't yes I, I, I do I yeah. don't think that I would lose my marbles like that right because at the the end of the day Taylor's just a she's she's just a woman like she's just a person she's yeah. a, she's a human being um She's a fucking superstar. She's a she's a, Absolutely. a force, not to be denied. But she's only been a force in my life for ten or eleven years, right? Mm-hmm. She's re- and she's really only been on my radar for about eight of those years. If if it was somebody like I, I would lose my mind if it was like if it was Paul McCartney. Fuck, even if it was Ringo, 
I don't even know. Like, so you Ringo, were come about, on, come on the show, Ringo. Yeah, we can, just, we'll, we'll Ringo's like, hello, guys. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I would. It's a fucking beetle. Like this is right. this is. Uh, these are demigods in my eyes. As much as I love Taylor Swift, she doesn't have as much truck with me. I understand what you're saying, you know, and she's of course wealthy beyond b- belief compared. To, well, I, who knows? The Beatles maybe are worth more than she is right now because she's just getting going. Well, that's because two of them have died. Well, yes, that's uh, true. and keep in mind they're not their net worth is not nearly as much as you think. It's about half of what it should be because remember they had to they buy sold it. back they, back they, to Michael Jackson, and then Michael they had to buy it back from Michael Jackson. So like uh, and so like that. God, he kind of swindled them out of the, out of their rights or some shit like that. Really kind of did in a way. He really kind of did. Yeah. Um, but that's the publishing game. That's why. Uh, and then last week uh, was it last week? Yeah, last Friday. I listened to it because it's my favorite album of hers. Is 1989? Mm-hmm. Uh, that the Taylor's version, her re-recorded you know, oh, yeah, version, yeah, yeah. came out, which is I fucking love it. And it, that was a stroke of genius on her part. Oh fuck yeah! I don't know if it was her idea or someone that close to her said, "You here's which, how you're going to get around this." We could talk. The, I could talk to her about that the entire oh, for an entire oh, episode. Oh yeah, that would be the topic. It wouldn't be about fashion or anything like that. Or, or like, well, what was this song about? When like, you wrote that line, what did that mean? Yeah, you know, it, it wouldn't be a lot of that stuff. But off, like with the NDA, would be we get to ask you questions and you can answer honestly uh, with the microphones off. Which song is about which which boyfriend? Let's right. let's go down the albums, which is exactly what I would things I would like to ask her. She probably wouldn't answer that on you know because she's. That's she has the uh, and this is what I'm getting at. What I started to talk about before is that my worry with Taylor Swift is that you have a worry. God, there's a worry, worry with Taylor Swift. She's yes. so good and has held her shit together so well and kept her kept her image pretty well squeaky fucking clean. Like you never really hear about her acting up in public being hammered. I've heard of her that like, people are like, yeah, she was definitely drunk at the Grammys, and that's the only reason she was drunk at the Grammys is that. She was invited as a guest. She was a presenter, and she didn't put out an album that year, so she wasn't even in the running. She wasn't going to go on stage and have to do an acceptance speech or anything like that. That'd be kind of great. And that's a good position to be. There's in. been a handful of Grammy, uh, like that, where she and she also didn't have to perform at all. She right. just was a seat. So she filler. could relax, not, was, not, it, knock a few back. It was just so that they could pay, and and knock a few back. She did. Apparently, <laughs> she was like. Like there's, I've seen clips of people bringing her water, and she just kind of slumped over, and like one <laughs> eye is not quite as open as the other. She's like the uh, the uh, the iPhone emoji drunk f- face. Yeah, but exactly <laughs> like the, what we call the stroke face. The stroke face, yeah. And and you know, but like that's not a fucking scandal, you know? No, like, it's not. So really, like, she drinks alcohol. Oh, <gasps> but oh remember, remember somebody who is rich, famous, incredibly, exceedingly talented, once in a generation talent, that was squeaky clean for almost twenty years, fifteen years. And then all oh, hell broke loose as Tiger fucking Woods. Oh well, yeah. yeah. I'm afraid that that something might like that might happen with her. Like she that, may like, fall off the edge of the cliff I'm and fucking afraid of something like that. I really am, and I and I know that it would be devastating to a whole generation of people, and probably way worse than Tiger. You know, uh, because you know, most of Tiger's fans are would have been I would say young to middle aged males that are golfers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. But Tiger Woods was known as that. Like he wasn't he never threw fits, never threw tantrums. People tried to heckle him. He just kind of oh, laughed his father it off. Was, his father kept him in line. Well, his father kept him in line and then after that it was like the endorsement deals. He's like I'm making way more money off of endorsements than I am playing golf. Mm-hmm. But the endorsement deals go away as soon as I'm not playing golf anymore. Right. And what happened? The endorsement deals went the fuck away yes, after did. he was done playing golf because his career was over because of all the crazy shit with his and the cheating and the and this and that and the other all that stuff. So right. I do 
that's a fear that I have in the back of my head. It's like, oh, God damn it. I hope we don't. It's it's also another like a Bill Cosby kind of thing, but everybody there's rumors that Bill Cosby was always a shithead, like he was a piece of shit for mm-hmm. fifty years, but like it was never in the public consciousness. He was like America's dad until fucking uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Hanks came along. And this again, this is before you know social Correct. network and God knows. Yeah, I tell you, but if Taylor did come here and taxied up, I mean, if she has her same plane right now, she that would be the first. I would start braiding her, braiding her. Barad Brodging, berating, I, you know what here, buffooning, berating. I'll start buffooning her. She, please don't do that. <laughs> Consent is sexy, Paul. Right. No, about she, her. I'm going. Can we just get a different plane? And she'll tell you. Do you know? Here's the thing. My uh, my financial team of financial analysts I have tell me mm-hmm. that this plane is perfectly adequate. It gets me from point A to point B, and the mission for that aircraft is to save me money and make me money. I'll say why. Here's what you what you should do though. You should you should sell that airplane. And and all the pro like it'd be an auction and it'd be all the proceeds would go to pick your. T- I know she has a lot of money away to charities already. I guarantee, oh, yeah. obviously, yeah. millions and tens of millions, if not. She hundreds has of to for for tax purposes. Sure. So she does it, but let's just make a big a big deal out of it. I'm going to sell my tour plane, the same plane I use on ERAs, or the Airs tour. Yeah. ERAs, um, and uh, and it, it, it would be be another big publicity thing, a positive thing. Goes to some needy. Fa- I don't know what the fuck it does. Yeah. Anyway, I'll just to, just to be funny. Not funny, but just to, because no one gives a shit about her airplane. Well, yeah, you would. So be, that's why it would be that would be the funny part of it. I would think it would be hilarious if you did that, just because nobody else is right. Would do that, like, but what? what would be even funnier is if she threw it back in your face and justified it and changed your mind. Like everything went. Oh, okay. as we're shaking hands on the fucking tarmac, like, the, the, right. come on, man. <laughs> like, hi, this is my friend Paul. He's a little bit extra. Uh, nice to meet you, Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I just. The amount of questions I would have for her, but also, like, I would just let her just run with it and just be crass if she wants to be, but she wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Nah. It would have to be an interview where um, you, you don't, you you see so many interviews here, less, oh, God, why do they ask that? Like, the shit that people ask, the same kind of shit over it, and over. Uh, it, it can't be that way. It goes back to the late night talk shows that I just, they, I think they've fallen off in the past 20 years, and I don't think we'll ever have anything, we'll never have anything like Carson ever again. Right. And I still feel like the closest to Carson was Craig Ferguson or Conan, and Conan's old show when he was on actual like television, television, right, like network right. television. And it's been done and redone and redone and redone. And the, just the and it's just yeah interviews. It's like oh for fuck's sake. Now what I really like are the, the I Jimmy Kimmel the the long running gag the Matt Damon thing is so <laughs> fucking funny to me. I've forgotten about it until. Kimmel was being interviewed by oh by Conan on Conan's new kind of like podcast slash show or whatever, mm-hmm. where it was weird hearing Conan O'Brien say the word fuck for the first time, and he's interviewing Kimmel. He goes, "How did that happen?" He goes, "It was a throwaway joke, and we, I I never intended to have Matt Damon on the show. I he's like at that time I wasn't even friends with Matt Damon. I interviewed him a couple times, mm-hmm. but but it, it like uh, but it was not." It wasn't anything. It, it was just a throwaway. It was after a band was done performing, and the band went a little long. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Hey, sorry, big apologies to Matt Damon. We'll get you next time. Couldn't we? Didn't have we ran out of time, and people thought it was funny, and then nobody understood the reference, including Matt Damon, because he wasn't <laughs> supposed to be on the show. <laughs> he so, wasn't there anyway. But then yeah. he re- the, he reached out to him, and it just became a running fucking joke. And it's one of the That's funniest so funny. things ever. Yeah." And it translated well. And what's what's really funny is like like Matt. They there was a an episode 
of Kimmel, which is I think I that's why I I think between Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel, like I'm gonna go I'm I'm gonna be a Kimmel guy because I think he's funnier. Sure, I've been a fan of his since the Man Show. Yeah, like back in the '90s. Uh, but it the 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 bit was Matt Damon came on and they started talking about this, and then the like they're like, all right, well we've run out of time, and he's like, and Matt Damon goes, I don't think so. <laughs> and that's when he threw back in Jimmy Kimmel's face. That was when Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Sarah Silverman had broken up. They've been together like 10 years. Right. And he goes, ran out of time, huh? Like you and Sarah. <laughs> and I still to this to this day, I don't know if that was a bit. I don't know if Jimmy Kimmel was expecting that because he looks like he's blindsided by it. He's like, what? Now we're definitely done. And he's like, yeah, I'm never coming back on the show again. And it was like four or five years later. <laughs> he That's when he came on the show. And uh, he walks out like, Matt Damon, ladies and gentlemen, sits down. And then all of a sudden the music, the band starts playing. And he's like, hey, I'm really sorry. I ran out of time. And Matt's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Rips off his battery, his microphone battery pack and throws it on the ground and storms off. That wasn't, <laughs> that was scripted. Mm-hmm. It was scripted. Like that shit is so fucking funny to me. But anyway, I feel like the late night, late night television started to really go to shit when streaming kind of took over. Oh, yeah, a lot of things changed. That, 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 that changed the did. whole game of everything. And it, it really also it opened up a whole new era of really awful reality TV, and I still can't believe it's it's out there. I, I know. It's, it, and it's, it's going and going. It's regular re- commercial network television reality TV. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Which is, I think, the one of the only... TV shows. I, I tried to get into last year was the first year of the new season of Quantum Leap, mm-hmm. which I love that show from the you know late eighties into the early nineties. I loved Quantum Leap. I thought it was a cool concept, uh, iconic episodes, great acting, cool storylines. It was good. I loved it. And when they said they were going to do a reboot, it wasn't actually a reboot. It takes place in the same universe. I like the very like, end of the show. He was like, "Oh boy!" Like he's like he's you know, when he's somewhere. Oh boy! Yeah, you know, that's the very end, right? When he when he something. Yeah. Oh yeah. The whole no, time shift. That, whatever yeah, it happens. And, and they actually, I don't remember what the new guy's what his he has a. I don't think he even has a catchphrase because it, it 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 was good for about five episodes, and mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. It's a little too fucking cheeseball. But then I went and went back and watched a few of the old Quantum Leap episodes, and I'm like, okay, it was cheesy. It was cheesy, goofy humor. Mm-hmm. There were some serious concepts and things, but like, like the uh, I'll never forget the episode of that was like takes place during the like the Dust Bowl or something. And uh, what's the name? Sam Beckett. He leapt into some farmer or something like that who was like giving away his last amount of money that he had to some snake oil salesman that thought he could make it rain. Uh, if you just give me enough money, I've got these chemicals and do this. And he actually does kind of like a MacGyver thing okay. with Al helping him going, you can cloud seeding is a real thing with sodium iodide and doing mm-hmm. this and, and devise a way to do it. And then he does it. And then he leaves home. Like, like that's kind of a cool episode. Like sure. that hits on some things and, um, yeah, just, I don't know. I, I, but I try to get into the new, that quantum leap and it's just not fucking good. No, I haven't seen any and, new stuff. So. so about the only show is that back to our original point almost an hour ago the 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 uh, one of the only good mainstays on TV that you're guaranteed to get at least a, at least a little bit of a chuckle either it's going to be a great opening monologue from a host a, f- a couple maybe all the sketches are going to be funny or the music guest is going to be really good is Saturday night live and 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 I I don't think it'll I I don't think it'll ever get canceled I think it's going to be like the Simpsons it's just going to become I would I would more say more so, so exactly how many years 75 to now is what so uh uh 48 years Whew. Yeah That's they're in season run. 49 they're in they're in season 48 now I think 
So it must be the longest running television show no, or program. Not even close. Meet currently, the, meet the press. Oh, meet the press. Yeah, of meet the, the no meet because I thought it was the Simpsons. Oh no! Yeah, I knew I, that. I thought the yeah. Simpsons was like the longest running weekly broadcast show, and it was, and it's not. I even would say close. the longest and, comedy kind of thing. Uh, or, the longest sketch comedy, yes. uh, for, uh, hands down. Like yes. there's no, there's nothing else that's ever been on air for that long. Um, the Meet the Press has been on since black and white television. Yes, then. and so, and yeah. if you want to go back even further, Meet the Press started off as a radio program, but that's not a television series, yeah. and I get that. Okay. Yeah, I. Um, God, it was so good. Foo Fighters. All right, is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. That's a, I mean, I, I, we can take a break and talk seriously. Let's if you take want. a break and see what we can do. Okay. All right, we'll be back. And my time was running wild A million dead-end streets And every time I thought I got it made It seemed the taste was not so sweet So I turned myself to face me But I've never caught a glimpse How the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-changes Turn and face the strain Ch-ch-changes Don't wanna be a richer man Ch-ch-ch-changes Turn and face the strain Ch-ch-changes It's gonna have to be a different man Time may change me But I can't trace time But never leave the stream of warm and permanent sand So the days float through my eyes But still the days seem the same And these children that you spit on As they try to change their worlds Are immune to your consultations They're quite aware of what they're going through Ch-ch-ch-changes Turn and face the strain Ch-ch-changes Don't tell them to grow up out of it Taking the base I'm 
All right. We're back. Post-Swift post talk. Post-Swift talk. Little, little more, little more on the serious side of things. Um, I am uh, currently going through a shift in uh, the way my life has been going for a while. Uh, started off as a little devastating, but also uh, will end up being good in the long run. A sex change. And I, I'm no, no. I'm very much still oh. a cisgender straight okay. male, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. No. Not. 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 You're going for not the, going to the change. The world couldn't handle me being gay or being trans or deciding that I am. I'm like I've always been female. I think most of the people that know you would probably accept you though. I I think most of the people that they, they wouldn't be fucking surprised. They're like well, no, they go yeah whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like okay, cool. When are you making carnitas again? Like that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Is that going? All we want to know is it going to affect your carnitas? Yeah, recipe? is it going to affect your carnitas making abilities and or your guacamole? <laughs> uh, but I know, you know, you've got a, uh, almost 20 years on me. Uh, I think 18 years. We've figured 18, out. 18, 18 years on me. 17 and a half. Uh, oh, this I'm, fucking guy. Not, it's, no, it's, it's, it's Is it? April, June. So, like, it's, it's. April, it's, May, June. Yeah, so it's like. 17 and three quarters. Go ahead. There we go. 17 and three quarters. I don't now know. that we've split those hairs. Yeah. Uh, we both have gray hair. How's that? Yes, we do. But you, I would, and uh, I would say that, you know, you've gone through trials and tribulations in your life ups and downs whether it's career-wise finances mm -hmm. loss you know uh and, and but but also tremendous gain would you say that the the cliche of you know the only real constant in life is change but also you know once uh once one door shuts another one tends to open i think depending on your perspective would you agree with those cliches not always but yes in general yes yeah um I would say that. What was the first part of it? I'm sorry, my mind. Uh, we thought about a, a thing, but it, it, what was the very first? It, it was two things. That the only constant in life is change. Like there's very few. That's the second part, there, I think. Oh, okay. That. Uh, uh, that once once one door is shut, another one opens, but you have to have perspective in order to see it. Okay, here's what I think, and it, it really depends on how you act. In that moment, I think it. Um, I think people try to hold on to the same and not want to change. This is a human thing, right? People for, want constant, yeah, for safety and that kind of stuff too. And I think that's a. I think that can be and usually is a big hindrance for sure. Yeah, and to not be, and we're all guilty of this on some level. Some people, maybe not at all, but some people will refuse to let anything change at all in in their lives because it's uncomfortable. You know, they don't. They want to be in their little box and the way their life is and that's it and but it's not a very good for a psychological term i suppose for growth or growing and i don't think people understand that concept either which i've always been very resistant to that kind of thing and i i i, I think if i really had to do like a freudian kind of examination on why i've always really hated change at least in my adult life like a, like a, you know anything from when I my first like real like when I say real job I mean not working in food service not you know you know working three shitty jobs just to make the same pay as one mediocre job is I was 22 and started working for like an actual big company that wasn't like a mom and pop kind of shop mm -hmm. and uh, got to know a little bit about corporate culture and things like that I I got very uh, comfortable mm -hmm. because every day was it was every day was just different enough to keep my attention. Right. But it wasn't a slog. It wasn't I wasn't doing data entry. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't just 
stamp this, sort that, stamp this, sort that, do the spreadsheet. It wasn't one of those. I, I got I was taking inbound customer service and sales calls, mm-hmm. and you never knew what you were going to get because I was taking calls from all over the United States. Mm-hmm. But then when they started making some changes uh, as to our pay structure, I didn't really like that. That pissed me off. And then they started making changes to um, the corporate culture. I really hated that. And then they started making changes to like uh, software programs and and whatnot. And I, I really I hate. It. I was so resistive, and I kept asking, "Why are we doing this? Why are we, this makes no sense." Mean, meanwhile, I'm anywhere from 22 to 26 years old, depending on or 27 years old, depending on where on the timeline I was working there, whatever age I was, still young and stupid and rather rather inexperienced at life in the world. But when I look back on that, I've always, I feel like I've always been resistant to change, and I liked having a constant, and that comfort and the comfortability that comes with a constant is, um, is, is probably goes back to childhood because we moved around a lot. Sure. You know, uh, 13 years of public schools, I think I went to... I think I figured out it was nine school districts. That's a, that's a lot. Eight eight school districts, I, and I, I wasn't a military kid. You were a military. I was. Kid. I didn't have quite that you many, know? but yeah. Yeah, and and so like I think maybe I just was. I just craved that that constant, which is why I've I've stayed comfortable in jobs that I hated for way too long, which you've experienced with knowing me as long as you have. Yep. I stayed in relationships way longer than I should have because I like the comfortability of monogamy. Right. It wasn't until a few years ago that I really started getting comfortable with the concept of, of being comfortable with change, which is something I've classically been uncomfortable with. Yes. And it's why, like, this, you know, big thing that's going on in my life right now, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm able to be – it couldn't have come at a better time in my life because I feel like I'm finally to the point where I'm mature enough to understand, recognize my own inherent uh, hindrance – like to use the word you you used before, mm-hmm. of being, of wanting and craving, the uh, um, not monotony, but the the comfortability that comes with predictability. And call it you can call it maybe stability. Too stability, yeah, stability. That's a word, which is a a word you could use. I don't know if I would use even use that because it's still not that stable. No, what I'm coming from. So, uh, but it had it, but. And this goes back to something, you know, I, I, I don't even remember where I, I know it was, I know it was a podcast, but I can't remember who it was. It said like you, the, one of the only things that is, is constant in, in life is change. And if you're uncomfortable with change, you need to learn how to become comfortable. Right. With change. Like just can, be comfortable with you it. You can try just, to just view it as it. maybe more of an adventure. That's a little strong word, but it's more of a... Which, which adventures are scary, but like I've gone on some adventures in my life and that were terrifying at the time, and then looking back on it, I'm like, why didn't I do that sooner? Well, quite often little sh- quick little adventures, not career changes or or life changes, big life changes, Right, it would be usually if you kind of succumb to it, like if you go to a, a place that's uncomfortable or you traveling or with friends or you meet new friends and go on a ski trip, I'm just making shit up here but yeah it, it usually if you succumb to the change hey let's see what this adventure takes us it's hard to do sometimes but it's usually the most fun time you oh, have it's so difficult to do and and honestly the first time i ever really truly did that I, I can tell you paul anytime i've ever gone on vacation that was for me and pretty much me only 
I have, I can't say that because I, like, I've gone on vacation with like a, my significant other at the time, or like you mean like when you were an my adult kid, and had time off with I, money to do it and that kind of time thing. off, money to do it, and I did it, and it was just me on my own, or mm-hmm. I went with somebody who was like a friend, you know, not mm-hmm. somebody who I'm like, all right, not a family, like not you're family or a spouse or something like that. Yeah. Every time I've done that, which is maybe ten times in my adult life, I've uh, I've I've planned not to the hour. But all the activities every single day, mm-hmm. and there's that there's that comfortability, and then getting right. pissed when the plan didn't go correctly. You know, I'm in a foreign country, yeah, and they have different. You know, you go to Mexico and you want to get something done between two and five in the afternoon. You should never have made those plans because I was right. a dumbass. You know what I mean? You have to kind of roll yeah. roll with stuff easier and that kind and of stuff. And that that first trip I took to Hawaii, that's exactly what I did. I was gone for 20 days mm-hmm. and I had a handful of things that I wanted to check off the list that I'd always wanted to see. But, you know, uh, I, I largely woke up in the morning and was like, all right, what are we going to do today? Which is not characteristic of me. And I had the best fucking time. There you go. And that allowed me to, to go. Cause I, I didn't have, I wanted to go to Pearl Harbor if I had time. Okay. But when I got up one morning and looked at the forecast and that the the high that day was going to be like 70 and overcast and 90% humidity, which 70 degrees and 90% humidity is like being inside a swamp cooler. It's not it's, it's not warm. Bit. It's chilly. Yeah. And uh, overcast the entire day. I was like, I'm going to see if I can get a reservation and go to, you know, because it's reservation only on it's online reservations mm-hmm. like to get a slot to go to Pearl Harbor. And I went to Pearl Harbor. If I had planned out my days, I never would have made it there. Because I would have packed all my my oh, days yeah. with too many activities. Does that make sense? Yes. So that was the first time I really tried to embrace that. To other people, that sounds like a like a ludicrous thought because they just like shoot from the hip. And I'm just I'm I'm I've never been built that way. I'm trying to get better at it. Well, like if you go out with a bunch of different, not go out, but you're let's say it's a small vacation. I use a vacation as a time period. But it's like a thing that you have kind of an option. Let's say to let go, not completely, but or to kind of plan it out. Um, you know, I I'm I'm kind of a control person with the daily activities here and how things are structured at the business and if you're going to go flying somewhere or hiking you're gonna come, oh, here's where we're going to go it's about that time we're going to do this so it's all structure 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 and so um again the few times that i've said you know what i don't really care i'm going to be the person in the group that is not me normally in other words i know where to go what to do about where you know i got it kind of all figured out for everybody else i'm going to be more not not a straggler but a go along with it yeah and and it, it's difficult to do, but again, if you can just go, cool. I'm gonna be. I'm I'm not the planning guy on this little segment of our adventure trip, yeah. whatever the fuck it is. If you can just do that, it's like, it's so much better. It's just a, and then someone always takes the leading role at some point. Someone figures the shit yeah, out. Yeah, somebody turns. And in, I'm yeah. usually that person, or up right. in the top one or two or three. I've also had to be the wrangler, is what my mom calls us, the wrangler, because yeah. we're both. My mom and I are both. It's just similar. it's better if you're feral. A little yeah. bit in the group, and okay, oh, we're going over here. Okay, cool. I didn't really know. That's not. This will be fun over here. Whatever happens over here, and or just relax with it and go with it. I mean, it all comes down to like you can follow the philosophy in one of the lines of the movie Tommy. <laughs> okay, and that that's how deep we are right the, now. The rock, the 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 <laughs> rock opera known as Tommy. No, no, the movie Tommy. Okay, the movie Tommy. The you know Chris Farley. Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. I I'm sorry, not Tommy. I'm so sorry. Tommy Boy. Well, you, you say Tommy, and I know you're a huge Who fan, so I, I just assumed I was you're right. like... You're right. You're right. Did you, are you playing mean pinball? Like, what are you... <laughs> the deaf, dumb, and Tommy blanket? Boy. Tommy Boy. In the beginning of Before the Father Dies, 
because he's, he's out there and all the bank is saying, I don't know, Tommy, about this loan. You're going to expand the factory and do this and do that. Da, da. And he says, why say no when, when it, it feels, feels so, so good, good to, to say, say yes? yes? I am quite often, I've caught myself before being in the no camp. As opposed to, and it's yeah. e- even in business, I don't even want to get to the examples recently, but even in some business stuff, I'm like, that's a good idea. I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. Rather than being in control and going, let me just wait a little bit. I'll be more conservative. But if I just, fuck it, I'm going to do that. I'm going to call that person yeah. and try to make that happen. And back in my mind, I'm going, no, you don't want to do that. No, it's not a good time. No, I'm just going to do it. And usually it works out. Yeah. And it may not be an exact example that you're thinking of, but it's like, so change it, your life for whatever change it is. It's like fuck it. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I'm not going to hold on to whatever this I, is. I'm trying. I'm to- going to say yes to these other. Because when you say if you say no, you have shut down all these countless possibilities. And if you look at your possibilities as a uh, oh god, I forget what they call that. Like an expanding is it an expanding ray? Is that what they it call is. it? In, uh, I think in trig. Yeah, because it, it all comes from a that, cent- a and then point. that, and then this, and then it, it's endless. Anything on the algorithm past you saying no, you'll never know anything about. Correct. Um, but that also has to be kind of reined in because it can you can saying yes too much. Right. And that's another thing that I've I've realized. The, and, and, and anybody who listens to this and wants to ask me about it, I'll be an open book about it, but it's kind of a way too heavy of a talk, topic for us you to get into. You say yes too much. I'm pretty sure you're a crack whore. Well, uh, no, no. <laughs> saying, saying, saying yes goes a, a lot of uh, saying to, saying yes to the wrong things. Oh, yeah. Too many times. You're too open to this, some you, stupid things. And then, and then if you couple that with uh, what a, a, a concept that I've just recently read about, which is extreme loyalty, it can get you in it, – it'll get you – not only nowhere, but set back in life a yes, lot. Yes, it does. And yeah. and I, I have firsthand knowledge of that. So, uh, but like becoming comfortable with something that has always made me uncomfortable, I can feel myself waking up each day since I've r- tried to try to really keep that into perspective mm-hmm. and really kind of keep to that mantra. And this goes back m- months ago, months and months ago of embracing it's kind of like the jocko uh is it and jocko willink yeah embrace the suck yeah it sucks but you're gonna do it yeah embrace it and you and usually by the time you do whatever it is it's it's almost every single time not as bad as you thought it was gonna be yeah the, the, almost ever the stress you put your 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 mind and your body and your soul through trying to resist not doing, doing something it. you are <laughs> dreading something you're gonna do yeah is is it, most of the time it's not nearly as bad as you thought it was going to be, and right. you wasted all this time and energy, uh, worrying and brain about power it. and worrying about it, which is something I've I've tried to do. Now, that's something I've also learned to be able to do. A lot of people will say, well, "Yeah, okay, whatever, Joe, Paul, whatever. You guys don't have kids at home. That's a different story." Mm-hmm. I sacrificed a lot of stuff to make sure that my my kid was 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 taken care of and nurtured and this and that and the other and 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 I'm I'm grateful for that because if I didn't learn that discipline I would have been an absolute piece of shit like so I'm grateful right. for all that yeah but my kid's been strong and independent and on her own completely for five, over five years now yes I don't have any business trying to lean on that fucking any that crutch no, you, anymore no, you so can't. I, I really you, don't you and, and it was yeah. it, you know so. Uh, but there is also some growth to be had, and I, I, I really I worry for any parent like that has to go through it, because once they realize they, it will, in most parents I would say probably most parents will realize that they if they if you do a good enough job, your kid's not going to have to ask you for help all the time. 
exactly. unless it's going to be you know uh, guidance or you know philosophical things. I'm not talking about finance and things like that. You do a pretty good job. Probably not going to have to ask you for too much help. And you and I remember us talking about this on this podcast and 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 off uh, off air. That's a that was a really really hard time in my life. Was transitioning from. Uh, you know, and not having, not basically just transitioning away from having to have this other person to to put before me. Yes, and then learning to put myself first. When she went away to college, what, yeah, mean, when basically. she went away to college, moved out and, and moved right. away and all that. And that right. that's a that was that that was that that felt almost devastating when it should have been liberating. Yes, and that's my own that's my own uh, hindrance, like you to use the term from a few minutes ago. That's my own hindrance of liking being comfortable with the constant with it's, the it, with the and and it's so bad sometimes it's a hindrance burg or a hindrance burger <laughs> a double stack hindrance burger sorry for the that was really bad i tried to take your joke and, and s- rescue it, it even more and and it's kind of like if you're not a strong enough swimmer don't go out and s- save someone because you're both going to drown <laughs> we both drowned on that one um but uh Yes, you say that's your own. It's your own thing, but it's not uncommon. Obviously, it's 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 very rare that the person goes, "God, this is great." Now I have all this freedom. My daughter, son, whatever is going to do fine, and I'm going to just I'm going to start my whole new life. I mean, I guess it does happen, but I, I've met only only a couple people that are like that. That were like, as soon as their kid, like they boot, literally booted their kid out of the house, and we're like, "All right, now we can like, do what like we want to like do." Like they push him out of the door, and, and the suitcase hits him on the ass. And yeah, like and, and then the next five suitcases <laughs> out of it are the mom and dad. They're getting ready to go on their first trip, like that. <laughs> like I, not quite to that degree, but pretty fucking close. Yeah, like the house went into escrow. <laughs> like I want to say, their house went into escrow. Like a week after the kid graduated from high school, and he was joining the military, mm-hmm. and he actually slept at a friend's house until he actually went to basic training, because and because his 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 mom and dad were done. Like, this is done they're after done. Like, after like yeah. five kids, like you could, and, and that damaged him for life. He's he, he's still not oh, close God. with his folks because of it. Because that says. I was I was a burden. Yeah, I was the, and, I was the reason you guys weren't yeah, doing your thing. But that's a yeah. rare occurrence. Yeah, that's a that's an exceedingly rare occurrence, at least in my experience. So it needs to be a little balance. So somewhere between oh, there yeah. and and being totally devastating and not being able to continue and with your life. If you've had an open relationship with your kid and you have a healthy healthy you know uh, vibrant and communicative relationship with your child, they're gonna be happy for you. Like mine was. She's yes. like, yeah, go off and do whatever the hell you want. Right. Just go do go go be happy. Go fucking don't worry about anybody else but yourself which is harder you know or easier said than done and that's why we're going to peru to do ayahuasca i mean i'm down 100 okay. percent. all right cool Let's yeah that. that'd be great we could come back change people we're gonna come back like uh have you seen have you seen any video or or um pictures of ron white the comedian oh my god yes days? recently yeah long ass fucking he went to hair. peru did his ayahuasca oh is that what i didn't yeah. know he went to peru that's, oh, yeah. that's what happened he quit he quit drinking smoking no more drugs like nothing like he i think he i think he said he finally got back after a year after after he did ayahuasca didn't detox from anything and mm-hmm. just like was uh, just never wanted to drink and didn't want to smoke cigarettes anymore. Had a totally different outlook on life and just completely. It did shift his grew his, his hair long. He's got a beard. And it shifted shit. his brain. It, it just it, went. It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It rewired things. And I think he says, ah, you know, I, I decided I was gonna after about a year completely clean from everything. Figured I'd try some weed, and I'll tell you what, low grade weed is great. 
when you don't have a tolerance. <laughs> I just thought that was funny shit. But yeah, we can go off and uh, do some ayahuasca. That I, I don't. Mm. Can't you do I'm, something similar more locally? Isn't that true? You can do ayahuasca. I mean, other than there are ayahuasca retreats all over the country. Okay. Hundred percent. But you you're just supposed to, to. You're supposed to do it in Peru. You have to go. Well, you're old not school. supposed to do it in Peru. Oh, you're like, supposed to. Yeah. It's it's just it's legal there. It's, yeah. Ayahuasca is it, it, ayahuasca itself is not illegal. It's the DMT that's in ayahuasca. And they that have is the, the a drug, They have the tour guides, shall we say, as you're going shamans, through it. Dude. They're fucking shamans. Shaman, yeah. Man. Yeah. They're they're yeah they're they're uh, celestial tour guides or some shit like that. I, I I'm down to do it, but I also would warn you. As someone who's not really done much with psychedelics, I know that you, it, you like, tell me because I don't know about you, Paul. It, you it, probably shouldn't do that. I mean, you're talking. I've never done ayahuasca, but I've done peyote, and people have said it's very similar. But ayahuasca is longer, so I should start out with more mushrooms. No, I would say you should just fucking do ayahuasca and say fuck it. Okay, jump right in. But just be totally okay with the fact that like like a week leading up, like prior, like prior to. Your ayahuasca experience, you're supposed to like cut all, cut out all. Uh, it's like you basically just go on like a vegan diet. Okay. No processed foods. No none of for that. For how shit. long? Like a week. A week's not that bad. Yeah, no, a week's not that bad, and you'll probably feel better for it. But one of the reasons they say to do that is 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 it used to be like the evil spirits and whatnot, but no, really, what it is is like you're gonna shit yourself and you're gonna throw up a lot. So you want to have a clean innards. You kind of want to have the clean innards that way you don't have a whole hell of a lot in your body. Yeah. Uh, but I've I've known uh, several people firsthand accounts that it, it absolutely changed them for the better. I should have my affairs in order. I don't mean like at risk of dying, but like, like I should probably have all my projects and customer things taken care of because I might come back and just say I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> and you also you never know how it might rewire your brain. You come back and go, I think we should put the wings on upside down. What do you guys think? <laughs> like, <laughs> you never know what it might do. Like you. Ron White hasn't done stand up since he since he did ayahuasca. He's like, I don't need to do it anymore. I have money. Okay, I, I saw I have more money of, than I ever needed. Was he on a podcast that I saw? His yeah, long he was, he was on Rogan about a year ago. So what's he been? Okay, but now he's not doing anything now at all. No, nah, I mean he's just enjoying life. I, I know he's, he has money and that's fine, but yeah. I mean he's just, he's not really on the talk show circuit, just talking about I bullshit. I or, don't think so. Okay, I think he just hangs out. I think he does go and do like I know he's gone to Rogan's new place down there in Austin. The uh, the, the, the comedy the, place. The, yeah, I can't remember what it's called. But it's not a, to do. No, I think he's gone up on like open mic nights or whatever, and, okay. and goes and hangs out with the other guys, like the com- the comedy, the guys at the comedy place. Like just hangs out with the comedians and offers sage like wisdom, which is great because he looks like a fucking sage now. That is so funny. <laughs> with his long hilarious. white hair. That and is shit. hilarious. That is so um, funny. But anyway, back to the more serious topic, uh, away from drugs. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, I feel like there is some clarity that comes with leaning into a major sh- change or shift in, in life, and that's something that I've never really been able to been very good at. And I'm not saying I'm good at it now, but I feel like uh, I I was in a similar situation I'm in now, uh, say 14 ish years ago, 13 years ago, and had was not at all mature enough to handle it it was it was very much like i'm i I, i'm i'm this this is the worst my life is ever going to get can always get worse oh yeah it can always get worse and and i know that i i know that and i've had times where a just a few short years after that was a much lower point and i was should have been sitting on top of the world so like it really uh it really is all about perspective and i know that's a the cliche and all that shit but it's a cliche for a reason you know? So you should it's perspective and try to accept the change and embrace it. 
embrace it, recognize it, and then uh, and then move forward. Yeah, and and do do your best to move forward. And that's 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 really like what that's where I'm at right now. I'm not saying I'm doing that. I I'm saying I'm working toward. And that. and usually the vast majority of things that happened in my life where it was a a big like a decision that I made, whether it's someone it was made for me or I made the decision, it's usually it's 80, 90% or more a good thing in the long run. Yeah. Because normally, I mean, your brain will adjust and you're not stupid. So you're going to go, if you're just the kind of person that wants to have a life, yeah. you're going to figure it out. You're going to go, okay, great. I'm going to go in this direction now then. And you've got enough years behind you. You people do whatever you, I, whatever to, to kind of make the adjustments and you have enough, um, files or software yeah. to, where, to where you can navigate this stuff. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're a newborn kitten or something like that and not even, not even know what ants are right. that, that sting you and you end up dying on the anthill. That's a weird um, little that was, analogy. That, you went, you, yeah, that was, you just kept going with that analogy. I, I'm a, I appreciate that. dead on a fire anthill. God, that's awful. It sounds like a, a terrible song. <laughs> it does. So is that... That's the thing people need to do, right? Yeah, that I would say that's what most people need to do is trying to embrace that tr- change and become comfortable with what makes you uncomfortable. Because and you, figure get to the root of what why things make you uncomfortable. Yeah, like because we all have those hang-ups from either childhood, maybe late teens, early 20s, those developmental formative years and I and I I say up to and including and sometimes past the age of 25. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, and and look dig deep and figure out okay, why why does this concept or this construct or this narrative why does it make me feel uncomfortable and and if you're fighting it i mean quite often that it's a toxic fight correct yeah in a way and it, you're not getting you're not moving forward you're not off center at all you know so it's it's you have to get past that you yeah. have to get past the fight and and move on move forward yeah. move up yeah i would i would agree with that 100% well, there you have it and well, there you have it all right folks enjoy the That's rest it. of your week we'll talk to you next time yeah and have a nice weekend